Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. What's up, everybody? Good morning. Nice to see you, everybody in this room. Nice to see you, those of you watching online. Greetings to you, wherever you are. If you're new to this place, my name is Amos Olivares, and I serve as one of our executive pastors. Uh, Pleasure to be with you and to worship with you. Just want to touch on one thing related to the highlight that Yona shared. Drive-in movie, that is citywide. We are hoping that our parking lot is overflowing with people from our community. Uh, Really, the local neighborhood, right? So they're all voting on the movie. We want everyone to come out and be a part of that. So when you come out, come out with a servant heart mentality. We are here to serve our people, and that's a great way and great partnership to do that. Uh, I want to lean into one special announcement, that is Cultivate Conference. Now, y'all know this. Y'all have been to conferences before. Uh, Most conferences are appealing to people on the outside, right? Churches host conferences, bring in other church personnel to help grow the church or develop different things within the church. Not this conference. This conference, you are the bullseye. You are the bullseye reason for the uh, creation of this conference. Cultivate Conference is intended to broaden your influence, my influence, to strengthen your skill set, and to provide understanding so that we can make a greater impact to our friends, our neighbors, and our workplace. So that's the reason for Cultivate, to bring everybody in the house together. Uh, Consider it like an equipping conference, right, to help us make greater impact to our neighbors and our nation. Uh, Dr. Ellen Tennyson is our keynote speaker. Man, this man is a beautiful blend of knowledge and practical application. 50 minutes, we get to hear him just develop us, help us bring to understanding things that we wrestle with in our current culture. Six, five breakouts, excuse me, five breakouts. You get to pick two of those breakouts. Again, current events, uh, parenting, things that are really important to us as believers. And then we top this whole thing off with our dear friend, Dr. Booker Hodges, chief of police for the city of Bloomington, man of God. How special will it be to hear us, to hear him teach us how to have influence in your everyday workplace. So listen, please get registered today. It's free. Pull out your phone. uh, Tune me out for a few minutes. Go to Cultivate Conference. Register. It's free. Free childcare, snacks, all the excuses. They're all taken care of so you can be here Saturday morning, 8.30 to 12.30. Please make it a priority. It is for you. It's not for anybody else. It's for you. It's for believers to help us do a better job of making an impact outside of these walls. Hey, let's get going. We are short on time. We're going to speed through this. Stand to your feet. Let's open the word of God together. Luke 21. Luke 21 is where we are today. We continue in our Luke series. If you're new to this place, this will be the only time we stand up during the message. We don't do this every time we read from the Bible, but we do do this the first time for the primary text, just to recognize God's authority in our lives. This is God speaking directly to us today. You've heard it said that God has something special for you today. We believe that. And uh, and we're going to look into God's word now. Luke 21, verse 1 through 4, verses 1 through 4. And it reads like this. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus But she, poor as she is, has given everything she 
has. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for being in this place. We can sense you already, God. You are working in our hearts. I pray, God, that for this next 25, 30 minutes, you would give us the ability to, uh, to set our distractions aside, our anxieties, the things that we're wrestling with, the burdens that we are carrying today. God, would you help us to just put those to the side for just a moment so that we can truly understand what you have for us today. God, I know that you're in this room. You're working in us, Father. I just pray special blessings upon those who are visiting with us for the first time, those who are in this conversation. God, bless them today. Work in them. Work in me. We pray all this in your name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So like many of you, for us, life is, uh, it's very busy. Uh, in, In terms of looking at my family dynamic, my kids through the day, my kids are all over the place. As a matter of fact, if, if, if one of my younger two have the opportunity to find an iPad, they will go find an iPad and go find a cupboard, get inside the cupboard and stay in there as long as possible until they're caught, right? They can be in there for hours with the iPad. Uh, the kids like to be outside playing all throughout the day. Sometimes we're like, hey, I'm right here just so you know I exist. And, you know, if you ever want to come be around me, uh, you're welcome to do that. But when the sun goes down, it's a whole nother animal. When it's time to go to bed and the lights start going off, all of a sudden these, these little ones who, who, who don't care if you're around or not, all of a sudden they want to be right next to you. It's amazing, and you parents will know this, it's amazing that when you walk into the bedroom of one of your children, you place your hand on their back, how they can instantly have peace in their heart. I mean, they will fall right asleep, right? We have a little, little girl, four years old, and I'll tell you what, every night about midnight, Something goes off in her. She realizes, I'm not in my bed. I was tricked again last night by my dad or by my mom. And she makes her way to our room. She just wants to be close to us, right? I've got a 13-year-old son almost next week, so I'll, I'll be careful with this. He does not get afraid at night. He's not afraid of the dark. He is so tough. He's a bad, bad dude. But every once in a while, if he were to get scared, guess who he wants? He wants me. He wants his mom, right? Y'all know this. Now, I am 41 years old, and I find myself in moments of uncertainty where I, too, can be filled with this this sense of fear, right? Some things that cause this in me are things that are unknown, like what's coming, right? What's happening with the gas prices? What's happening with my family? What's going to happen with my health? Things that are unknown to me cause me to want to hold a little tight, right? Uh, Things that are uncertain to me, they cause me to want to hold on a little bit tighter, Unresolved issues in my life, man, those things can really plague me. Like maybe, like maybe they do you, right? Things in my life that I'm still hoping for, praying for, promises that God has for me that I've yet to see. When, when I lean into that, I can easily begin to hold tightly to things, right? I can start to feel higher levels of stress. In a room this size, I would imagine that maybe there's a few of you like me. Like maybe when when I ask the question, what do you do in uncertainty? Maybe you'd say, I also tend to hold tightly to things. It could be finances. It could be relationships. There are so many different answers to this question. But what is it that you do when you are in moments of uncertainty? Or maybe the better question is, what do you hold on to in these times? What is it that you find yourself holding on to in uncertain times, moments of anxiety, overloads of stress? What is it that you find yourself holding on to when the storms of life are coming your way or when when you're navigating through times of uncertainty? What is it 
that you hold on to you. So we just read our primary text. We're going to lean into the first verse this morning. And it says this, while Jesus was in the temple, and we have to stop here to just kind of understand he's now in the temple, right? For, for weeks now, we've been in this, on this journey with Jesus through the book of Luke, right? We, we started, you know, Jesus born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, home base out of Capernaum, right? Now he's making his way. He's made his way through Samaria, Galilee, and then into Samaria. Now he's always headed towards Jerusalem. Last week he was in Jericho. Now he's in Jerusalem. The triumphal entry has taken place, right? So he, he's come into this temple already and was very much angered in the temple. You remember he came into the temple, overturned the tables and said, uh, this, this is a house of worship. This is a house of prayer. And you've turned this into a den of thieves, right? He's angry. It's important that we realize that in this temple, there's so much hostility, so much hostility in, 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 the, in the temple. There's tension, there's animosity, there's a lot of hypocrisy taking place within the temple. So Jesus is not just in the temple like another beautiful day, Sunday school class starting, people are you know, getting their coffee, making their way. No, 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 that's not what's happening. What's happening in the temple, there is a lot of people. We know who's in the temple, we know that, that there are religious leaders uh, in the temple, we know that there are, are priests in the temple, there are Pharisees in the temple, there's crowds of people uh, in the temple, and, uh, and, and Jesus is really in this really tough, tough dynamic, and we see that, uh, we see that playing out. Here's the truth about Jesus during this time, he's most loved, most hated. He's loved because he's an unbelievable man of compassion, right? A man of compassion, caring for the poor, caring for the oppressed and the marginalized of that culture, such as the, the, the Samaritans, the Gentiles, the deaf, the dead, the sick, the women, the children. He's been caring for all of them, loved by many, loved by many. And at the same time, he is hated by many, hated by many. They're, they're plotting to try to kill him, to arrest him. Right, to catch him into a lie. He is loved by many. He is, he is uh, also hated by many. So he is in the temple. Jesus is in the temple with his disciples. Verse goes on to say, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. So he's, he's off to the side watching this thing take place. And you might ask yourself, well, why is he just sitting there watching? Why, what is he actually watching? Well, if we just reverse, just literally into chapter 20, here's what we'll see. Luke 20, verse 45, 46, and 47. Then with the crowds listening in the temple, he turned to his disciples and said, Beware of these teachers of religious law. Actually, there's an exclamation point here. So he's not just, beware the teachers of religious law. For they like to parade around in flowing robes and love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces. And how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head table at banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious or really religious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be severely punished. And then we turn to chapter 21 and we see these four verses. You know, today we're going to take these four verses and we're going to squeeze them like a beautiful plump green lime in our elote cup that you all get right after church today. 
for Cultivate. We're going to squeeze the word of God today and get as much out of this as we possibly can. It's important that we understand the context of, of, of what's taking place. So Jesus is to the side watching this take place. He's watching this take place right before his very eyes. And so uh, the, the commentators say that in this place where Jesus is watching, there's like seven boxes for temple tax. Now remember, Passover is coming. Lots of people making their way to Jerusalem. So there's a lot of money coming in. There's a place for temple tax and then there's a place for free will offering, right? There's a place for free will offering. And as Jesus is watching this take place, he can look to his, he can look to his, uh, to his disciples and say, look, exactly what I just talked to you about is actually unfolding right in front of your eyes. I just warned you about religious leaders. I just warned you about their behaviors. I just warned you to things that they do. And now watch with your own eyes. You'll see this unfold right before your own eyes. Wow, there they are in their robes, giving money, giving money. I, I envision them stopping at Wells Fargo on the way and cashing a $100 bill and asking for quarters back so they can stand right there by that big offering tin bucket and just ding, clank, 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 and smiling. And they're realizing that people are just watching like, wow, he's still giving. Yes, I am. I'm still giving, just giving away over here. I've got nothing but time and nothing but money to give. All about the show, right? All about what, what, what can this do for me? The verse goes on to say, then a poor widow came by. A poor widow. Once again, Jesus goes to the other extreme. Here, here again, we see the one misfortune, right, being used in the analogy. Once again, for, for weeks now, we've seen how God looks to the poor, to the oppressed, to the outsider. Now, here we see a widow. Listen, it didn't have to say poor for us to know that she would be poor. In those days, widows, listen, elderly, no more income. They have absolutely nothing. And we know, we know that, that, uh, that, that she is under great oppression. Remember, we just read, yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property. Like this widow has been cheated out of her property. She has absolutely nothing, nothing. She has nothing, no income, no income at all. Yet here she comes to the, to the buckets where you can give your offering, your free will offering. Here comes this widow. This scene is unfolding right before the disciples' eyes. This poor little old lady. Jesus saw her heart. Jesus said, that's an old woman. That's a widow right there. That's a widow coming and, and, and depositing money in those buckets. What does she do? Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. You know, if you have this loaf of bread on your, on your dinner table where you pull out verses and just random, you know, just pull out a random thing, you'd pull out these four verses from the first book, Luke 21, first four verses, and you'd see this as just a radical story of generosity. That's all you'd see, just a radical story of generosity. This woman who had absolutely nothing, only two mites to her name, she gave everything she had. It would compel you to want to give generously. At the same time, I think it's fair that we realize that in context, there's so much more to the story. There is so much more to the story, yet this woman comes and gives two mites, not even equivalent to, the, to, to, to one penny today. That's all she had. She had two. She could have given one, but she gave them both. And man, Jesus saw that. Jesus saw that. 
It was amazing. So then Jesus looks to his disciples and says, I tell you the truth. In that moment, it's playing out right before them. Can you see the picture of this? Can you see the picture of the rich, the religious, the, 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 the self-righteous just standing by, just standing by, guarding, guarding these buckets, lots of rich people coming and really nice clothes guarding. And then this widow comes and gives all she has. And then Jesus in the room, as well as all the people, he kind of leans over to his disciples and he says, I tell you the truth. And I wonder what exactly did he mean? Here's some of my, some of my thoughts would be, in the middle of all this confusion, guys, here's the truth. Because there's a lot of confusion. You've seen a lot over these last few years. You've seen a lot. You've seen a, you've seen a lot of bad behavior from these religious leaders who are supposed to be the ones setting the example, the ones who knows the, the, know the law in and out. They know the law, yet they don't follow the law. He, maybe he says, I tell you the truth, in the middle of all your confusion, in the middle of all your confusion, let me tell you the truth. Or maybe he's saying, because, of, because what you see is evil, what you're watching right now, that's evil. So I need to tell you the truth yet again. This is a perfect opportunity for us to squeeze the lemon a little bit this morning and say, let's just step out of the the thought of a message of generosity for a moment and let's lean into another lesson that we can absolutely learn. And that lesson is this, belief in behavior. These individuals, these religious leaders, these priests, these elders, they knew the law. They knew the law. They knew that the law actually uh, asked them to take care of the widows. They were responsible for the widows. They were to take care of the widows, to look after the widows, yet they are shamelessly cheating them out of their property. So, so Jesus said that is that this truth, the truth is, is that our belief leads to better behavior. Our belief as believers in Christ, as disciples, picture Jesus whispering this to you. I tell you the truth. Your belief in me should change your behavior to the world, to those on the outside. The people on the outside need to see, hear, experience, feel Jesus from the people on the inside. There should be a correlation to belief and behavior. And I just have to stop for a moment and just make sure that we understand, like it's worth the pause that we take a look at this harsh reality For those of us who call ourselves believers of Jesus Christ in a room this size, there are believers of Jesus Christ in this room. Some of you for years and years and years, for as long as you can remember, you've been following Jesus. For others, maybe in your first year, first first few years, maybe in your first few months, first few weeks, but nonetheless, you are a believer of Jesus Christ. Our belief in God should bring about godly behavior. The kind of behavior we see in the life of Jesus in the Gospels. We have a perfect of, of example of this in Jesus. Yet for too long, and please listen closely to this, and I say this with nothing but love for this church, but for too long our behavior has been the very reason why people on the outside stay away from the inside. For too long, that's been said uh, and true of us. This example, my friends, this example that we read today, this is in the church building. We've read about the Samaritan. That wasn't in the church building. We read about the woman with, uh, caught in adultery. That wasn't in the church building. This is happening in the church. This behavior that Jesus is referencing in Luke 21, this is happening right here in the church. 
Man, would it be true of us if we said, man, we do things for show. We say things for attention. We say we believe, by our behavior, but our behavior is a poor reflection of Jesus. Yeah, it could be true maybe of you and me. You know, I know this to be true. Some of the most evil people claim to be believers. Sometimes it's even true that within the church there are scandals, perverts, abusers, violent people, mistreating the marginalized, looking down on other people, have a sense of entitlement or a very proud spirit. Just like those men referenced in Luke 20, flashy robes, shiny shoes. We see those examples. We've seen those examples. And if it's true of us today, Today's a perfect opportunity for us to repent of our behavior and to recognize and realize that it is our behavior that attracts and appeals to those on the outside. Those who do not Jesus should be attracted to Jesus because of the transformation that's taking place in you and in your and my life. Could that be a lesson that we learned from this passage? Could that be another angle that we look at this today? Verse goes on. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. More than. Take everything they gave, add that up, she gave more. Take everything that they came, every one of those quarters, every one of those dollar bills, take them all, take it all, add it all up. She gave more. She gave more. Jesus saw straight to her heart. Jesus saw straight to her heart. She could have kept one coin. She didn't. She gave everything. She taught us something that we're going to take home today. That one thing Neil referenced, what's that one thing you're going to go home with today? You're going to know exactly what that one thing is. And she's the one that taught us that lesson. Verse 4. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has given everything she has. She chose that day to give everything and trust God to care for her. That was a choice she made. See, Jesus wanted the disciples to see this lesson in total surrender of self. This thing played out right before their eyes and he wanted to make sure, did you catch that? Did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see the commitment to God and her willingness to trust in God's provision? Also, it's another thing that we can learn is Jesus is also pointing to what's ahead. This is what I'm about to do. I'm about to give everything I have for all of humanity. What you saw this woman do, I'm about to do. I'm about to give up everything I have for your sake, for all of humanity. Jesus died on the cross for you. And also, Jesus is saying, and you too, disciples, you'll also have an opportunity to give up everything as well. And they would. They would. See, this today, this is not a message on money. It's a message on dependency on God. Total dependency on God. That's what God is looking for from us. That's what he's looking for from you today. As young people, he's looking for that. He's looking for that for, for you. Would you give up everything at this young age and say, God, whatever you would want to do with my life, can you give him your plan? 
Can you give him the plan that you've dreamed of? Can you give that to him? God, if you want to send me to another country, if you want to, I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's what he's looking for. He's, at, he's looking for you as well. Would you give up everything? Would you give up everything? Our big so what for today? Let go in order to hold on. We see this with this woman with the two, with the two uh, less than pennies, two mites. She lets go so that she can now hold on. You can't hold on to something if you already have something in your hand. And Jesus over the last few weeks has been asking to give up the things that you're holding on to. We've heard great messages about letting go of that one thing. Do you remember? What's the thing? What's that one thing you're holding on to? Yet again, here we are seeing a demonstration of it, of this woman, this, this poor widow, giving up everything, releasing what she has so that she can hold on to God, total dependent on him. Today, he's asking you the same thing. Would you let go of whatever it is in your hands so that way you can hold on to, to me? Would you depend on me? That's the kind of relationship God wants to have with you is a total dependency on him. A.W. Tozer said this, I do not mean by this that you cannot have things. I mean that you ought to get delivered from the sense of possessing them. You can have them, he's good to us. God has blessed us in abundance. We have great things. He's the giver of all great things. Thank God for that. He's been good to us. But what he's asking is this really, let me just say it in a more simple way. You may not have to give everything up, but you no longer own it. That's all he's saying is who owns the stuff that you have? Because if I ever come by and ask for them, it'll be easy for you to say, yes, they're actually yours anyway. I asked at the very beginning, what are you holding on to? And the answer might be money because times are tough, because times aren't promising, because I don't know what's coming next. So I'm holding on to it. I've decided to cut way back. I am holding on to it. God says, will you let go of it and hold on to me? Maybe it's your plan. Maybe it's your plan, your retirement plan. Maybe it's how you're gonna kind of get to the end of your life. And God is saying, will you let go of that and just hold on to me? Listen, what is that thing? What is the thing? What is the thing that you continue to hold on to? Our big now what? Yep. What are you still holding on to after 17 weeks of this message series revolving around the same kind of topic? You're still holding on to something. And God is saying, would you let go of it so that you can hold on to me? Just stop. Stop trying to control the situation. Stop trying to manipulate a better situation for yourself. Stop trying to organize it all. Stop trying to do all this stuff for yourself. Just let it go and hold on to me. That's what we saw with the widow. She let go of everything she had. It wasn't much. It wasn't much. But she let go of it all. She just let go of it so she could hold on to God. And that's what he wants. So is it money? Is it power? Are you holding on to lies? Is it position? What is it that you're holding on to? And Jesus would say, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth, man. It's better for you to let go so that you can hold on to me. Would you bow your heads right there where you're at? Maybe you're in this room right now. And the 
only thing you can think of is, yes, I will hold on. I will hold on. Yes, I will let go and I will hold on. I will let go and I will hold on. As, as, as anxious as that makes me even feel, I will let go and I will hold on. If that's you, stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet right now with me. I'm with you in this. I'm going to let go and I'm going to hold on to whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is. I will not be bound by this anymore. I'm not going to carry this burden. This is his burden. He wants to carry this burden for you. He wants to. That's the kind of relationship God wants with you. He wants you to have a total dependent relationship on him. Stand up wherever you are. If you say, I'm letting go and I'm holding on. I'm letting go and I'm holding on. I'm letting go and I'm holding on to you, God. You know best. You know best. You know best. You know me best. You know the situation best. You know my heart best. Just like he knew the, 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 the woman with the, the, the widow, he knew the widow. He knows you. He knows you. He knows what you have. He knows your heart. He wants you. He loves you. He wants you to depend on him. He doesn't want you to be fake. He wants you to be a pure reflection of him to the community that we live in. That's what he wants. Lift up your hands right there where you are, all over this room. Lift up your hands. Would you just begin to use your own words right now? Come on, let's repent. Let's repent. Let's repent of holding on too tightly. Let's repent of having belief but poor behavior. Let's repent. Let's take a moment and just repent. Can you do that right there? Can you use your own words? Can you use your own words? Can you repent? God, forgive us. Forgive us for our belief in poor behavior. We've known better. We've learned. We've had the privilege of knowing you, but it has not reflected great in our behavior. Forgive us for that, God. Forgive us for that, God. God, forgive us for that, God. Forgive us. Forgive us for that, God. Today, we make that decision, God. We make the decision, the same decision that widow made that day to release everything, to give up everything, to give up everything so that we can depend on you. It doesn't mean that we lose things or we can't have things. It just means that we don't own things so that you can always ask for those things from us. That's the kind of relationship we want with you too, God. Be sure to use your words. Be sure to use your words. There's so much healing in speaking. Come on, just say it, God, I release. I release, I relinquish my ownership rights to everything in my life. I relinquish my ownership rights to everything I have because I realize now they're all yours. They are all yours, God. Everything I have is yours. I choose to hold on to you, your plan, God. I want your plan for my life more than anything. It's the most important thing to me. It is, it is God's plan for my life. It is God's will for my life. You are my source of all provision. You are my source of all provision. You are my source, my source of joy. You are my source, God, of peace. It is you that I will lean to and hold on to and nothing else, no one else. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. At this time, I'm going to invite our host, our, our, worship, our prayer team, excuse me, our prayer team to make their way forward. Listen, some of you might want to kind of have someone just pray with you, stand beside you, believe with you in what you want to pray. And that's exactly what they want to do. They love that. This is their ministry. They're good at it. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you, to stand in agreement with you for whatever God is speaking to you for sure. And you take the time you need here at this altar 
For those who feel like you'll be dismissed, when I finish praying, please make your way to the lobby. We have elote cups for everybody. It's just our way of inviting you to cultivate conference. Come be a part of this. Come, let's actually learn practical application on how we can do these things. Let's come support Chief Hodges. Let's come and show him that we're a vibrant church in East Bloomington, a vibrant church, hungry after God, hungry for God, hungry for God, ready to make an impact in this community. Let's show him that support. Those of you who are visiting with us, please consider coming to our welcome room. Pastor Hillary's right here to my left. She'd love to meet you and greet you and put a gift in your hands. Father, I pray that this work that has begun in our hearts would continue. That it would continue in our hearts. That we take this home with us, chew on it, chew on it, chew on it. Tomorrow, chew on it, chew on it, chew on it. We made a decision today, now we manage the decision. We remind ourselves tomorrow, nope, I gave up. I, I relinquished ownership. I signed it over. I signed that over to you, God. I'm not carrying that stress. Satan would love nothing more than to meet you at your car and say, that was all emotional. You better take care of yourself. You better make right decisions for yourself. Nope, I, I gave up ownership of that. I gave up ownership of that. God, that's the relationship you want with me and that's the relationship I want with you. I depend on you. Think of the widow, think of the widow. When you need inspiration, think of the widow. Think of the widow, she didn't negotiate. She didn't say, well, I'll give him half and I'll keep the other. No, everything, everything, everything. Well, what happens if you need something? That's why I have God. I hold on to him. I'm holding on to him. I relinquish my rights. I relinquish my ownership. Thank you for your word today, God. Thank you for the, your presence today, God. Thank you for working in us. We love you. We love you so much. Go with us throughout this week. May we have a blessed week. In Jesus' precious name we pray and everyone said, amen. God bless you.